Would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6? We are going through Ephesians chapter 6, but before we start, oh, wasn't that just praises to Christ? Didn't that just fill your heart? I just want to pray and just thank him that because of uh because of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross we could come boldly and we can praise him and he hears us the scriptures say he indwells in the praises of his people isn't that a wonderful he indwells in the praises of his people we don't believe it's just simply music just getting together and singing a few songs it is actually giving praise to the one who has saved us and changed us and our lives are forever different because of it. Can I doubt your love for me when I trace love's design on the cross of Calvary? I am yours and you are mine. Oh God, why is it that we doubt your love? If you've given us your son, wouldn't you freely give us all things your scripture says? And so, God, we are melted today, melted to hear your word, melted to praise you, melted to serve you and to honor you with our lives, in our jobs, in our families, as you would have us do. You don't want us to simply have a cerebral faith, an intellectual faith, but one that permeates through all of our lives, that the gospel would Uh, change the way we father, change the way we mother, change the way we husbands love their wives, change the way wives submit to their husbands, that we would be a people most peculiar with a hope that is deeper than what this world could offer. We pray, Father, that you would help us this morning to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Manny, it's getting hot, so let's get those ACs on. It's that beautiful San Diego weather well i uh we well let me start start with this um uh last week i was privileged to preach at um a church up in reading so that was a long drive for me i was planning on simply just flying in and flying out because i like to fly but um it coincided with uh, community bible church's youth camp so we prayed about it and uh, we were able to by god's grace rent a van and carry all of our youth. I was privileged to travel with eight teenage girls and two teenage boys, right? In our family, we had two cars, and we have a monster van outside, right? But God has, uh, I think God has blessed it. Um, Let me tell you about what I did. I was in Reading, and I was preaching to a hurt church. They uh, They had underwent some various trials in their church, and they were hurt. And it was as if they, they couldn't get back up almost to make disciples of all nations, what we have been called to do. And so by God's grace, I preached on a series called The Church That God Uses, how God uses a church when it is focused on the mission and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how disciples as disciple making is the mission of the church. We ought to be about the business of making disciples and how God comes and he attends that and how jesus he helps us he says i'm 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 there with you lo i am with you even to the end of the age and so there were a lot of tears there was a lot of encouragement and we were there from friday to saturday the mirandas were up there if you guys remember them 
the Paytons were up there as well. So it was a good, sweet time. And, um, and then I took a couple days to celebrate my 19th anniversary with my bride. Um, while that was going on, the, the youth went to the CBC uh, Community Bible Church Youth Camp in Vallejo, and uh, there was a 30-year anniversary of that ministry, and Ray Palampo, who was a pastor of IGC, uh, Island Grace Church in Hawaii, uh, came back uh, to preach, and many others did preach, and um, I rotated all of the teens to sit next to me on the drive back, and I drilled them with questions because I want to hear I love to hear how God works through his word. And I was just hearing stories after stories of how God, they didn't learn anything new. They just learned how they needed to be more committed, more devoted to Christ because of his love, because of his kindness. And uh, it was just, I, I was just filled with, with joy, even though I was exhausted. I was filled with joy. Uh, but so... Um, I come to you this morning filled, so let's get into the scriptures and see what God would have to say for us, say to us through his word. We are wading through Ephesians chapter 6, and the verse that we're going to look at today is simply just one verse. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and it reads, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I asked my son, John Carlo, if I could share uh, this story, and he said, for the glory of Christ. I said, amen. But I don't even remember when, uh, I don't even remember the situation, but I remember I lost my temper. And I remember that uh, I blew up on my son. And I think I... I want to say raise my voice because that's making an excuse, but I shouted, right? I acted sinfully, as a father should not. And as I shouted at him, I saw his countenance and his face just sink. And I knew I had sinned, right? And I had to go to him and ask for forgiveness because God has called us, men and women, if you have children, you are called to shepherd your children in a way that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to take cues from the world. We are not to say, well, what, is the, what do the Smiths or the Johnsons do or whatever like that. We are to take cues from what the scriptures say. And here, the Bible says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God gave this passage to you he gave this passage to you so you would raise your children in a manner that glorifies Christ. Let me say the point of this passage is this. God gave you this passage so you would raise your children in a manner that glorifies Christ. Now, if you are parents and you have kids at home, young people at home, of course this applies to you. You can't escape it. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. He's talking to the parents how they are to be different when they raise their kids. How when folks see you at the restaurant, how when folks see you at the sports event, that your interactions with your young people, your kids, ought to be distinctly different. But having said that, this is not just for parents. It does have a further application. 
if you are in a season past having raising kids and it's been uh, it's been done for a few years, this also helps you with how to deal with folks in your charge, how to deal with folks as you shepherd. You will see the application as it comes out. If you're a single person, uh, God bless you, and you are praying for that person to come and bless you with children. Well, this is your this is a good time for you to be equipped. Because this is what God would have us do. Now in order, before I continue on, we know that Paul is going through the book of Ephesians. And our theme here for the book of Ephesians is rich living in Christ. If you recall in the book of Ephesians, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, that God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he pours it out and he, he lays out the plan of salvation, what he has done for you. He doesn't want Christians to live weak, cowardly, pauper lives. He wants us to live lives that are filled with hope, filled with joy, not because of who I am, but is based on the truth of God in what he has done for me. And he tells us in this outline of a love that is surpassing any in the world. First, that God has elected us before the foundation of the world. That is a love that will never change, brothers and sisters. This is a love that still melts me as I contemplate my own sinfulness. And even as a Christian, and even as I do my, even as I have failures, that God's electing love is still upon me. Secondly, that the Son bled for me. His blood purchased my, my salvation. That which God has elected, the Son actually purchased in real time. And He thought of me as He did it. And then the Spirit sealed my salvation. In that now He indwells in me. And now I am guaranteed. Because not of anything I have done. Not of any good works that I have done, but simply of the cross work of Jesus Christ. And he lays that out. And because of that theology, because of that truth, it undergirds you as a Christian. It changes distinctly how you live. But it isn't just truth that dictates your life. Now he says in Ephesians chapter 5, if you recall, verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine. But that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, what are the effects of someone who is filled in the Spirit? Here, I believe what filled is meaning is yielding to the Word of God in its entirety and allowing the Spirit to have its reign, that you would glorify Christ in every area of your life. And what occurs is when you do that by the grace of God, he gives you supernatural power to do the things that you ought to do, to be the person you ought to be. It isn't just that God has given these commandments and now you're on your own. We would be lost. He gives us these commandments and he gives us his spirit to strengthen us. And what does he say? It causes us, and this is why it's so important that we sing together. Notice he says in Ephesians 5, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. A people who are in love with Christ sing. They sing. The words that are not understood by those who don't know him, they don't think it's precious, 
They don't think the music's worthy. They don't think the hymns are precious. They don't see the richness in it. They don't, they, they don't care. But the Christian who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and who has been filled with the Spirit, they see and they sing. And then it says, they are always giving thanks. There's a spirit of gratitude. But what he continues on after this is quite remarkable. That the Spirit of God now is going to affect every area of your life. And that your Christianity, sad to say, in San Diego, it's like this. Everyone kind of compartmentalizes their Christianity. It's just Sunday. Here's my Christianity. It's on this Sunday. And I don't live like a Christian the other days of the week. I just keep it here, kind of like one of those food trays in the cafeteria. I keep my carrots here. I don't want it to mix, right? But that's not how the scriptures teach it. The scriptures teach if, in fact, you know the Lord Jesus and you are filled with his spirit, every aspect of your life is now marked by someone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ is now marked distinctly. And he says here, when you're filled with the spirit, verse 22, wives can submit to their husbands. They actually can. They're foolish sometimes. They're hard-headed husbands. Women, don't say amen. That's not the time for that, okay? Don't say amen, right? Secondly, verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. When a man is subject to the word of God, when he is filled with the spirit, he actually can live a sacrificial life in loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Thirdly, the next relationship. And you notice these are relationships that are tough, aren't they? He says, in the tough relationships, I give you my spirit to live in this way. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Have you noticed how it says, wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That... Those who know Christ and are, are in the homes, they actually can obey their own parents. They actually can say, yes, mom, yes, dad, I will do that. Not, uh, 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 don't want to do that, right? But God gives you the strength to obey. And then the next section here, verse 4, is fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, uh, the title of the sermon is The Spirit-Filled Parent. And in order to raise your children in a manner that glorifies Christ, there are two essential components. Okay? There are two essential components that cannot be ignored. Okay? The first one I'm going to say is verse 4a. Okay? And I call that shepherd your children in love. Shepherd your children in love. In love. And the parties involved here, he says here fathers, but I include all of the parents. The reason being is because in that time in Roman society, fathers had all authority and power. They were called the patria potestas, or the pater familias, if you recall your Western civilization in junior high, if you took it, right? 
You were supposed to, you would know that the, he was the ruler of the house. And so here we're talking about how do you parent your children? This gave the father unlimited power over his children. Hel uh, Hellenistic Jews had even severe punishment for disobedient children. And so now he's talking to fathers who are often very severe. Households that were also often ruled with an iron fist. And Paul is now saying, this ought to mark your home. This, uh, this new way of living ought to mark your home. And he says, children, they are the recipients. If you notice, these children have no one to defend them. And so Paul writes, this is how the home ought to be run. The task is to, for, for the children, to obey and to honor imperfect parents. That is daunting, right? True shepherding does not make light of children's status and their responsibility. Just as it is a high calling for wives to submit to their husbands in the Lord and husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and children to obey their parents in the Lord, so too parents must raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, how do you raise or how do you shepherd your children in love? You have to know the enemies that threaten, okay? The enemies that threaten. And I'm going to look at two different words because it, there's a parallel verse in Colossians that we're going to look at. This is what's going to side rail you in your shepherding. And I say shepherding because this has application everywhere. I've noticed this. This is exactly why God says that the elder must have must run his household well. Why? Because if he can't run the house, his own household, he can't run the church of God. And so what happens is in the home, you learn, men and women, you learn what it means to shepherd people. These are not cogs in a wheel. This is not machinery. These are actual souls that need to be shepherded and guided and taught with the word of God. And so there are enemies will threaten that here's the enemy the first one is provocation okay provocation and we see that here in ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 fathers do not provoke your children to anger the word there provocation means to make angry to rouse to wrath you if you have a position over someone and you can do this this is why if you have a nasty boss you ever have a nasty boss? You ever have a nasty boss? Oh, I have. I had nasty bosses, right? They were just, you know, I used to work in the warehouse. They were nasty bosses, right? They know what buttons to push and they don't care, right? But far be it from you if God has ever put you in a place of position and a place of shepherding that you would do the same. And now you know because of what God's word says, how I am to shepherd people, okay? And you will see the application. Teachers see this all the time, right? Principals see this all the time. And now, provocation means to rouse to wrath. And I want to sh show you a parallel verse. Keep your finger in Ephesians. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Notice he says here, fathers do not exasperate your children so that they will lose heart. So the first one is 
provocation. The second word is exasperation. Okay? Now, exasperation, that means to provoke. It can mean to provoke. It means to make resentful, to irritate. But it also, it, so it, it means exactly what it sounds like, exasperate. It means to lose heart. It's like when you deflate a balloon. It means to be discouraged. The part of their losing heart, if you exasperate, the person will become discouraged. They feel like giving up. They, f they lack motivation. They become disheartened. They lose their will. In other words, there are two reactions, and I think this, these two reactions occur basically on the personality of the individual, of the child. When that stimulus comes of a person who is over you, a parent who is over you, and does not care about the stewardship or the manner of love in how they are to rule or how they are to shepherd that person, the child will either be provoked or exasperated. Okay, And it depends on the kid. The exasperation is someone who just gets angry, and they will get angry and they will bubble up, and they will, veins will pop out of their heads, right? Uh, that would be the provocation. The exact, excuse me, the exasperation would be someone who just gives up and loses in despair, okay? Now, let me put some feet to this so you could, uh, let me s show you what this looks like, okay? Uh, there are two different authors I pulled from, Wayne Mack and John MacArthur. There are two different authors. And I've put them all together. Uh, one had 20 ways, another had another 15 ways. So I'm going to give you all of them. Okay. And these are ways that you could exasperate or provoke your children. And in fact, you, instead of drawing them near to the Lord, you're actually, actually pushing them away by your demeanor by your life, by your lack of love. Okay, this is going to be hard because this is talking to me too, okay? First way, here's an example of unloving shepherding. One is just being an angry parent. Dad, you come home from work, you have a, a million-mile commute, your boss has shouted at you, you come home, and you've... You bit your lip all through the day of work. And now you're safe in a home where there's a little person and your anger explodes. That does not honor Christ. Those are the, those times where we need to get alone with God and trust in Him and say, God, give me the strength. Give me your spirit. I have to do that. You have to do that. That's why he's here. Amen? That's why the spirit is here, to help you. Amen? Because I know the hard thing is going to come. I know that temptation is going to come. I need him. Secondly, here's another way you can provoke or exasperate your kid, your child, is not having marital harmony. Your kid's constantly seeing you fight. Your kid's not seeing affection between dad and mom. 
Another way is disciplining in anger. You know you are to discipline, but instead of doing it in a calm, cool, collected manner, you're angry. And see, this is what the world thinks that discipline is, okay? They think when we say the word discipline or even use of the rod, which we're going to talk about, okay, they bundle it up and they call it abuse because they've never seen it done in a godly, controlled manner, okay? And so they call it all abuse. They just bundle it up and call it all abuse. God calls us not to discipline in anger. Oh, there are some times I want to rip out what little hair I still have. For those of you who don't know me, I have four kids, right? And I love them. And for the most part, we get along. But there are times I want to rip, rip my hair out, right? And so there are times when my wife will help me and she'll say, Angelo, are you, gonna, are you sure you can take this one? No, I think I'm going to lose control. Can you help me? Okay, I'll take this one. Go. So then we switch off and then I watch her as well. Okay, That's how you help each other, okay? I don't think I'm going to do this in the right heart. I think I'm going to deflate them. Right? Here's another way. Disciplining inconsistently. Disciplining inconsistently. Uh, you let one child slide on one thing and leaving the dishes out, but you don't let the other child slide. Or you discipline one time, but you don't discipline another. See, when you do that, when you discipline inconsistently, God, then the child will never know where they really are with you. They're confused, right? Or mom and dad have different standards and rules. I know so many times when Jeanette and I don't get to sit down and say, okay, this is what we're going to do with our kids. They go, mom, dad, you're telling me two different things. Does this ever happen in your home or is it just mine? It's frustrating. You don't even like it when you have two bosses, right? You want one report too, correct? Right? You don't even like it when you have two bosses. What about your child, right? Or how about this? Um, constantly finding fault with them. Constantly finding fault. Being nitpicky. Or not listening to a child's side of the story. I don't care. You did it. But, 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 I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Right? Not listening to that child's side of the story. Here's one that's awful. This is one that's awful. Is comparing one child to another. Okay. Do you remember what happened to Joseph? Do you remember? And he got the Technicolor suit, right? Right? Do you, do you know who caused that embitteredness? Who... Rouse it up was, you know who did that? It was Joseph's dad, right? Oh, you're not like your sister. You're not like your brother. I come from a Filipino background. That's how my parents sound, right? You're not like your brother. Why don't you be like your sister? Why don't you? That is the worst thing you could do. One of the worst things you could do. God, if you believe in the right theology that God has created each of his children individually, wonderfully made, Amen. How are we doing? Are we okay? Are you still with me? Okay. Not having time to talk. Oh. Not having time to talk. 
Uh, I was uh, at the family camp and we were talking to this father who was working so much overtime. He says, I don't have time with my kids. And I said, you know what? Your kids don't want all that extra money that you do in overtime. They want you. You have time to talk to everyone else except your kids. Why don't you set dates with them? Set your appointment book. How about this? Not praising your child for achievements. Not praising child for achievements. This is rough. You tell them when they fail, but you don't tell them when they do well. You constantly harp on them when they fail, when they do poorly, but you don't tell them when they do well. That will embitter your child. There are some, there are some kids who are, are still doing that. You know, when I was in India, I was surprised. I would look at the newspapers and it would be finals week, okay? And I would, say, and I would see three or four suicides. And I said, what is, why did he, and I would read the article and, and would say, because he got an F in his finals or because he got a, a B minus in his finals. He killed himself. And it's because there's so much pressure to perform. So much pressure, especially in Asian cultures, right? To perform, right? That when they don't do well, they feel like they failed their parents. They might as well not live. I'm in despair. That is exasperation taken to the next level. I'm just going to kill myself for a B minus. And I talked to my friends there in India. They were saying, oh, this is normal. And sure enough, every time finals came, there were suicides. For every criticism you have for your child, you better have 10 more praises for them. For every time you have to correct them, you better have 10 instructions for them. Amen? For every time you have to uh, tell them to change something, you better tell them you love them. It better be overwhelming. That's what God does with you. Amen? Here's another one. Failing to keep promises. Failing to keep promises. Your son, your daughter, they want to just spend time with you and you say, okay, okay, I will do it, and, they don't, and you don't. It crushes them. And then they see mom and dad as really just liars. And they see mom and dad, they see breaking promises is actually normal. And you can do that when it's convenient. We're going to get to the good part. Just follow me, okay? I know this is harsh, okay? But we have to do the surgery, right? Amen? We're going to do the surgery and we're, I'm going to end on Christ like we always do. Amen? All right? So, ju so just follow, but we have to cut deep, okay? All right? All right. Giving too much liberty. That is really just not caring. Giving way too much liberty. I remember Al Alex Montoya. He's one of my favorite preachers. He was saying there was a guy in his congregation who bred purebred uh, pit bulls, right? And he would not let his pit bulls out at night because he didn't want the, the girl pit bulls to get pregnant from any stray dog. But he didn't care how long his daughter stayed out. And Alex Montoya said, you care about more, more about your dogs than your daughters? You're giving liberty to your daughters and you don't care about your dogs and they're just going out 
being out with whoever they want to be? You don't even care about that? I'm just like, oh man, kind of a pastor's dad. <laughs> but he's right, right? Do you care? Do you know who they're hanging out with? Do you, do you trust who they're hanging out with, right? Being too strict is another one. Making fun of the child, constantly making fun of them such that it crushes them. Of course, physically, sexually abusing him or her, of course, is that's going to embitter them. Calling your children names. Now, let me um, give you some more here. Ways we, here's more ways we could exasperate our kids. You can be overprotective. Parents simply do not trust them. They'll despair because how they may behave may be irrelevant. Sometimes they, they even express that they are trustworthy and you still don't care. You still don't give them a longer leash. Favoritism, we talked about that. Depreciating their work, you can talk about that. Setting unrealistic goals, never awarding them or letting them feel like they've succeeded. Failing to show affection is another. Here's another one. Not providing for their needs. That's huge, okay? Okay, just not caring whether or not the bills are going to be paid. You're, you're the dad, you're the mom, you have to. Um, neglect. Excessive discipline. Okay, enough. Enough. You guys done? Are you done? I'm done. Okay. These are so many ways we can fail our children. Right? But not only are you to shepherd your children in love, but you're called to shepherd them in truth. Okay? That's the second point. Shepherd them in truth. Well, Angelo, okay, if I love them, here's a question. If I love them, then how am I going to cause them to see who Christ is and cause them to behave in such a way that pleases God? The Bible says you shepherd them in truth. In truth. See, the world's way of dealing with children's behavioral issues is what I would just put it in an umbrella. It's called manipulation. And I've said this before. It's like when you go to Costco at Carlsbad, okay? With the crazy parent. They're just crazy, crazy parents, right? And the kids are just running around, right? And they'll start shouting, I want this, I want this, I want this. And mom is saying, okay, if I give you this, you hear this, okay? If I give you this, will you behave? Manipulation, okay? That's called bribery. Or you're about to leave and you say, and you want your kid to get ready, but they're not listening to you, and you go, okay, we're leaving. We're leaving now. Ten seconds. Manipulation. Okay? Or we use negative, uh, negative criticism. I, I know this one parent who says, well, I like, to, I like to say that wasn't a good job. That way they do it better next time. You're just crushing them. See, manipulation is trying to motivate someone to fulfill my wants and needs without clearly stating what those needs and wants really are, okay? I want you to kind of get it by the way I force it on you. Or it's attempting to gain control over a certain situation or person by inciting an emotional response rather than a biblical response. Now, we want to be delivered 
from this tactic of using manipulation with our kids, with the, those who we shepherd with. And, you know, brothers and sisters, you know I hate manipulation. I hate being manipulated, and I do not like to manipulate people. I believe that the Spirit of God should work on your heart. And if you don't want to do something, you just don't do it. We'll talk about it later. But if it says it in the Scripture, that's when we'll talk about it. But here, there are two... Uh, God's way of dealing with children's behavioral issues is not manipulation, but rather it's involvement, okay? It's involvement, okay? And he uses two words. Discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline. Here's the first word. We talk about it. And it, the word is paideia. It means an active rearing and a guiding a child toward maturity. And it has the, the sense of correction. Cultivating the soul. One lexicon says it's cultivating the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing the passions. Second Timothy uses the same word. It says, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. God says that he already assumes that your child is going to need correction. Have you ever noticed that? You don't have to teach your kid to sin. They know how to say mine. They know how to hit someone on the head with a toy. Why? Because of Ephesians 2, right? We are dead in our trespasses and sins, right? Until God makes us alive. So what God says is we need to learn how to correct. And he gives us two tools how to correct. The first one we talked about is counseling. Counseling in the word of God. We see a lot of counseling, and I'm just going to mention this. In Proverbs 3.11, it says, My son, do not reject the discipline of, of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Solomon is counseling his son. And so what we ought to do is speak to them with the word of God, showing them where they're wrong, and applying the gospel to it. Because what happens is, when the heart of the child uh, grasps onto sin, and if you notice, behavior is simply the fruit of what is occurring in the heart, okay? We don't want to manipulate because it simply only controls the outside. As a parent that shepherds your children, you want to get to the heart. What is it that is causing that behavior? And we know, uh, we, we know from the scriptures is that it's sin, right? And sin needs to be curbed. Sin needs to be conquered. Sin needs to be ruled with what? The gospel by Jesus Christ. So what happens is, as a child starts to act out, if they lie, it's not because of this interaction. It's not because of that interaction. It's not because of... All of that may be true, but the real root of the problem is because they have a lying heart. Okay, And so you, we need to get to the root of that. And what occurs is you can take the word of God, show your child the word of God that they are a liar, that apart from Christ, they're going to hell. And that the gospel, that Christ died for liars like you and me. I love to say that. You know, you're a liar. I'm a liar too, apart from Christ. And Christ died for a liar like you and me. And God is showing you your sin because he's showing it to me as well so that I can take the word of God and apply it to you. Amen? And that's how we get to the heart of it, right? The Bible says to preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. This is how we are to do it. 
There ought to be no correction, okay? No use of the rod without counseling. That is cruel. They don't know what's going on. There's no connection to the gospel. There's, a, there's no hope. That's abuse, brothers and sisters. We want, we want to make sure that God has given us this tool of the rod to give a little bit of rear-end persuasion, okay? Such that we can get to their heart, right? And God is, and let me show it to you. Here's the rod. Notice in Proverbs chapter 13, 24, and this is discipline. Of course, as your children are little, you use the rod more and you counsel not as much, okay? But as, as your children grow, your counseling becomes more and the rod becomes less. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Okay. So as your kids are younger, your use of the rod is high and your counseling is a little bit low. Why? Because they can't understand the words you're saying. And you're trying to share with, with them the gospel as best as you can. But as they grow, the use of the rod comes down and the use of counseling increases. Almost to the point where you don't use the rod anymore as they're growing up. right? Because now they're hearing the word of God. And every single time they sin, you come to them with the word of God, not to beat them up, but to show them their sin and to show them their need for Christ. Amen? Amen? Okay. Here it is. Now, if this is strange language to you, look at Proverbs chapter 13. Okay? Proverbs chapter 13. I had a... A person in my life who said, well, I would never spank my kids. I love them too much. That runs against what the scriptures say. Notice in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. This is how God designs for you to raise your kids. He says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, he says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. He says, if you do withhold the rod from your son or your daughter when they are in sin, you don't love your kids. Why? Because you don't love them enough to deal with a tense situation. I hate doing this. Parents? Kids, I know you probably hear it, but parents hate doing this. I hate doing this. But I love my son and my daughters more. And if I can inflict a little bit of pain so that I can get to their heart, pain that will not injure them permanently, pain that's only there temporarily so that I can get an audience with their heart, God says to do that because if you love them, you won't let them go their own way. We see that too much in this society, don't we? They do their own thing. They, they believe that they have their own authority. Back, back in my own hometown, it's common for the students to punch the teachers. Very common. There is absolutely no respect anymore of authority. Why? Because they don't understand that. They don't believe that they have any authority over them because there is no training in this. this you will stick out like a sore thumb. This is not even taught anymore in the world. But if you love your children, you'll do it. Notice in Proverbs 29. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 29. And verse 15, Proverbs 29 and verse 15. 
This is God's word, okay? God says this. The rod and reproof, notice he attaches it. Rod and what? Reproof. Not just rod. He goes rod and reproof. Give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Do you know anyone like that? Oh, I know tons. Kid, uh, Their kid grows up. A disrespectful kid, they think it's cute, cussing in the home. Disrespectful to mom and dad, they think it's cute. It ain't cute when they're arrested and thrown in jail. It ain't cute anymore. And the parents are weeping, right? How about Proverbs twenty-two fifteen? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. In Hebrews chapter 12, we don't have much time to go through it, but because uh, I want to go to the next section. In Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about how all discipline uh, is painful at the time. But it yields rich rewards for those. And it calls God our Father. In fact, God... Dis- nah, we got to go there. Hebrews 12. Go there. We got to go there. Hebrews chapter 12. It's too good, all right? Hebrews chapter 12. How do you know how to father? How do you know how to parent? Look at the way God does it, okay? Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 4, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Verse 6, this, this is, matches exactly what Proverbs is saying. Okay? For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. You notice that. And he scourges every son whom he receives. If he loves you, and you know this, brothers and sisters, If you sin and you are a child of God, you know God takes you to the outhouse or the back house, right? And you know God is going to spank you, right? Have you ever got that? There are times in my life that God has spanked me and I never want to do that ever again. I never want to sin. I never want to go like that. Notice he says he scourges every son whom he receives. Sometimes it's a scourge. It's a severe spanking. Have you been spanked by the Lord? Yeah, I have. I don't even want to think about it because I start crying. How he spanked me. And why does he do it? He says here, because he loves me. Verse 7, is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Answer, there is none. A good father will always discipline his son. But if you are without discipline, of which you have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. Look at verse 10. They disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to us, but he disciplines us for our good, which may share his holiness. Verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. See, in the moment of discipline, it hurts. There's tears. But it yields but yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Just as God is your father and he disciplines you, brothers and sisters, you are the agent of God in your child's life to show them their sin, 
to show them the need of Christ, to turn them to have hope in the gospel. Amen? And instruction, of course, that is teaching the word of God. Now, let me end here. He says, of the Lord, of the Lord. Parents, and here's, we can't skip over this section, okay? He says, of the Lord. Parents, let me encourage you, when you do this, I had the privilege of escorting eight young ladies and two young guys, like I said, and to see how Christ is moving in them. I'm reminded, as I was listening to them, I'm reminded that I don't own them. Parents, you don't own your kids. Did you know that? You're stewards. You only have them for a short time. That's why God said in the previous passage before that they are to leave and cleave, right? To make their own families. You are a steward for a short time of these precious souls. And Christ, he says, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, he says, Christ is your audience. Do you understand? He is watching how you shepherd their hearts. He is watching how you take advantage of your position. Okay? He is watching how you abuse the authority if you do that. Christ says, when you do this, you do this before my own eyes. Brothers and sisters, it is no small thing as we parent and shepherd before his eyes also as it as we talk about it of the lord means the instruction of the lord is first and foremost of his gospel are you a shepherd who is constantly instructing in the gospel we looked at deuteronomy chapter 6 you might ask when do i do that do i do that at a bible study yes what about at home yes what about when we're eating? Yes. When we walk? Yes. When we're at the mall? Yes. You are constantly instructing in the Word of God. You may say, I don't have a teaching gift. Brothers and sisters, you're a parent, and God has called you to teach your kids, right, in His will. If you keep making excuses about your children's sin, you'll never get to the heart of the matter. You'll never be able to shepherd them. We all understand we are born in sin and we need Christ, okay? If you keep making excuses for your kids instead of dealing with the issue in a biblical manner, what it really means is you don't want to do the hard work of involvement. The tiring work. I remember sometimes I'd come home and my wife would say, Your kids, your kids. And there would be dishes all over the place, mac and cheese, explosion, right? And dinner was not made, right? And I come home, and she says, Honey, all I've been doing is disciplining these kids. And I said, Then you've chose the better part. Now let's go order a pizza. Do you understand? Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you. I know it's difficult. When you have small, smaller kids, and I understand that, and even as they grow in te as teens, I understand that, okay? I'm here with you. Okay? But let me encourage you. You have the Spirit of God with you. 
Christ is watching with you. He is supporting you. He is seeing how you shepherd. And he is there with you. You can rely on him for strength. Wear those shoes of loving, shepherding, servant, uh, servant parenting. Amen? By his grace. And allow yourself. I've, we, we were able to see 30 years of this youth ministry and how this connection of parents loving their kids in the gospel and how the church has been discipling their kids in the gospel and how it is married together, not as a substitute, but as a help, as God has designed, right? And to see now these kids are serving Christ with their own initiative, with their own hearts, going all out for Christ. And we get to see that. It is a long, long process, but we get to see that. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, that is the peaceful fruit of righteousness, isn't it? That is the fruit of instructing and disciplining in the Lord, of the Lord. So I want to encourage you. You got crazy kids? We all got crazy kids, okay? We got crazy kids, right? But Christ can arrest a crazy kid like me. And Christ can arrest a crazy kid like yours. But you are called to correct and to instruct in the Lord. Rely on him. Rely on his spirit. He's there with you. You're not alone, mom and dad, okay? Amen? Are we okay? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this incredible, incredible journey, adventure of raising our kids that glorify Christ. We want them to make decisions that honor you. We want them to love you on their own, not because of mommy and daddy's faith. 